I look at what God has done for each and every one of us. And uh, I look at the faces I look out here going through many, many times of ministry with, with all of you guys and, and uh, uh, just seeing how God is moving in your life. And it's just been such a blessing for me to even be a part of that. And I know for anybody else that's been able to minister to you guys, it's just been a huge blessing for us to see that God, the thing that he amazes me with every single time is that God is a God of power. He moves. He moves with power. He moves with might. He does not sit idly by and just wait and watch for us to just fiddle our way through life. He is with us every step of the way. He is faithful and true, as his name is. And I'm so glad to be able to, uh, nervous, but glad to be able to be up here and just share the word of God with you. And I pray that he would just speak through me, and I pray that this, this word would transform your lives as much as it did mine studying it. Because if we're not being transformed, guys, there's something wrong. We cannot go on. And this is going to be a tough one this morning, but we cannot go on just as the status quo. Christianity is not for the lazy. We cannot continue on in our wicked ways, and we'll study that as we get ready. You can get your Bibles ready to open up to Ephesians 5. Um, but I'm going to preface this with, uh, I've been thinking a lot this morning uh, and actually all week when Paul asked if I could preach, uh, I just thought of Ross. Um, what an amazing man of God that he was. He blessed my wife and I in so many different ways, just being faithful to the word. And I can't even begin to tell you the presence that that man had. God walked with him every single step of his life. But the thing is, and I know that he would say the same thing, is that's for us. That's for every single one of you guys, myself, all of us, is that God wants us to put him in the forefront of our life. And I'll never forget, I, think, I believe... Paul, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it was the first time he spoke at, at, at Harbor Rock. He said something that stuck with myself and my wife as well. And he, he, he had this saying, and as we were praying beforehand, it was amazing because uh, Brother Don in the back there, he, he had remembered that the first time that, that I saw Ross pre uh, preach, it was amazing. He never opened his Bible but we were saturated with the word. He knew it back and forth. Just, you know, we were joking. I wish I could have just, you know, every time I shook his, shook his hand, I could get it through osmosis, you know, the wisdom that he had. But the one thing that he said that stuck with me so much is that the end is near. And... um he used this phrase. He said, the trumpet is out of the case. And Jesus, if he hasn't already, he's got his robe and he is ready to come back. And the question that I have for us is because this is what the Lord had, had 
burdened on my heart as Paul asked me to pray. It was clear right away. Are we ready for his return? And I'm going to ask you, are you ready for his return? If he were to come back right now, are you ready for his return? You can answer. Are you ready for his return? Because I look at what he's doing. I look at all the signs and wonders. He tells us to look out for these things. And guys, they're happening all around us. Israel becoming a nation. I I, I was reading last night, I was reading a ton of different things. There's so many uh, 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 sites that you can go on and look that the Jews are ready for the temple to be rebuilt. Do you know that? They are gathering everything And for those of you who work in construction now, you know that it takes, like, no time to build buildings now. But they are gathering everything so that when that day comes and they can, it's not going to be long. They are going to usher it in. And it's going to be even quicker because it's going to be done by the hand of God. But as we get ready and we think about this, see, what what happens is, is when we think about the second coming of Christ, as a church, this is our blessed hope. This is everything to us. He is coming. He is coming for his bride. He is coming to, to take us and be with him in his father's house. Can I get an amen for that? How glorious is that? The Bible in the New Testament says, talks about the coming of the Lord over 300 times. That's just in the New Testament. And as we learn in Bible study methods and and as Paul's preaching is, when he repeats things, we need to listen. It's one in every 26 verses is about the Lord's coming. But the question that I, that that the the Spirit laid on my heart, and youth, I apologize because you hear this from me quite a bit. The question that he laid on my heart is, are we truly ready? Are we living our lives in a manner that is glorifying and honoring to him. He had said that he's coming for his bride. Now I know that I would have issues, and I'm sure all of us would, if my bride on my wedding night was saying, you know what, I love you, and we're going to get married, and I'm excited, and we're going to come together, but I have another boyfriend too. How many of us, knowing that going in, would say, well, that's fine, you know, come on. The same is with Jesus and with his bride. She is to be pure and undefiled. And this is the thing that has been stressing my heart lately. 
and you all know this. We know people that call themselves Christians, sit in pews every single week, and what do they do? As soon as it's over, they go and they live their lives just like the world. And what we're going to read in Scripture this morning, and this isn't the only place that this is in, as I started studying and cross-referencing and looking at the Word, it is all over, it is all over this, this, the New Testament that he talks about this, is living a holy life. But a lot of times we don't want to hear that. We want to live, we want our fire insurance. I said a prayer, now I'm good. Now leave me alone. But the thing that, that, that the Spirit is trying to tell us this morning is don't do that. Because on that day, there's going to be many people that sit there and say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied, we, we, we cast out demons, we did all these things in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Why do we, why do we live our lives always walking on the edge of sin? In California, I don't know what it is, if it's Highway 1 or whatever it is that, that wraps around the coast there. Um, Mr. Daniels, you may know. So, so there was a huge landslide that ended up happening this past week. Buried the highway under 40 feet of rubble. And I couldn't get out of my mind the picture in my head that we sit there. It's just like this. We sit there. And there's the edge. And we want to just look over. We want to see what we can get away with and yet still call ourselves Christians. We walk towards the edge. But the thing that we don't understand is that that edge, there's sand underneath it. And that is going to, eventually that is going to give way and you're going to go down right with it. And the problem that we have is that we never think with eternity on our mind. We always think, I just want to do this. I just want to, I want a little taste of this. When God says that we need to flee from that, that's the whole point of repentance. It's to flee from the old way of living our lives, in our mind and in our hearts. I looked up a stat how many churches are in Racine, Wisconsin? I like stats. I'm a nerd like that. But how many churches are in Racine, Wisconsin? Anybody know? I didn't either. But there was just on the list, and I know it's not a complete list because we weren't on there, and other churches that I know weren't on there. So it's not a complete list. But the last that I had counted, if I counted them all correctly, there was over 110 churches in Racine. 110 churches in a city of about 75,000 people. Why does this city not look different? Why doesn't it look different? The reason is, 
And I praise God for our pastor. I praise God for our pastor that brings the word of truth every single week, unashamedly. Because there are so many places that they don't. I listen to sermons. I, I try to listen to a lot of sermons, listen to other churches and all this. And sometimes I can't even bear to listen to it because it's the tickling of the ears, which is another sign of the end times, right? People are going to want their ears tickled. They're going to want you to prop them up. It's okay to sin. I've seen pastors drinking and getting drunk with their congregants. Talking about causing a brother to stumble. And I know that this is heavy, but there's hope at the end, trust me. There's 100 churches, over 100 churches, maybe 150, I don't know. But we're not seeing any real change in this, in this, in this city. Just look at the internet. Look at all the stuff that comes up. It looks just like every other place. See, because what we don't understand, and as we're going to get into the word right here, is when we are not living a holy life, how can we ask God to come into us and bless us and use us in a mighty and powerful way? So let's look at the word. We'll start in verse 1, Ephesians 5. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality and impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. A lot of times we skip over that. Continue on. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Let me repeat that. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly in darkness, but now you are light in the, in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of the darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. And for this reason it says, Awake sleeper and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now let's pay attention here. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand that the will of the Lord, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always living, or always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, as be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. What we end up seeing in our, in our churches and what we end up seeing in our culture, and I understand that there's a sanctification process. We're not all pure and holy right away. and that, you know, we're, 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 we're not going to be completely pure until we get to heaven. I get that. But he tells us here very clear, clearly that immorality is not to be among us. And like I said, but instead we come close to it. We, we come close to that old way of life. We want to we we fellowship with that instead of fellowshipping with the saints. Look at what he says here. We've talked about this as a church. How many of you guys would love to hang out with each other and just whatever it is at night have fires and, and all this stuff? And we had this at the Canalties one night. I think it was a leadership meeting, and it was beautiful. Annie brought out her guitar, and we just started singing Christian songs around the campfire. The world would look at us and be like, yeah, well, they're lame. Nobody wants to do that. But that's what I want to do. That's what we should want to do. We want to be in fellowship with the Lord, and we want to be in fellowship with one another. But as we look, it says that the days are evil. It says that the days are evil in verse 16. So as we talk about the coming of the Lord, this is the thing that we need to understand with this message here. Is that there needs to be a sense of urgency in our hearts. There's got to be urgency because people are dying all around you. People who don't know the Lord. But the scary thing is, is that there's people that sit in churches, maybe somebody here, I don't know. But I don't want to take that chance. Somebody once said that if we just step into hell for five minutes, it would change everything. The way that we look at life, the way that we think And I heard Pastor Raw say this, and I agree with him. It wouldn't take five seconds for me to know that there's something that we got to change. And the reason that we're not seeing, the reason that we are not seeing change in the areas that we live in and in our lives is because we're not living it out, people. Some of us are, and I love you guys that do. But this is a call for all of us. This is a call for all of us. Not to stand idly by as people are going past you to hell. This is a call for each and every one of us. Leonard Ravenhill said, I believe the reason, uh, or he, he said that people are not looking for a different Christianity. They're looking for a demonstration. 
of Christianity. And this is the thing that got me as I was studying this word. This is the thing that really came into my mind. Is why are we living such, such anemic lives in Christ when we have the power of Jesus Christ, we have his Holy Spirit living inside of us. See, this is the thing, is that we have his spirit inside of us. Everybody knows somebody that is on fire for God, right? Amen? We all have somebody that we look, that we look up to and that we can look at and we can say, man, there's something about that guy, that girl, there's something about that person that just draws me to Christ. See, but the problem is, is that what we end up doing a lot of times is you do, you do understand that we, it's like a flame. We may not have Christ, but we can get close to that flame and get heated up. But as soon as we walk away, what happens? We cool off again. We need, that, we need God to fan that flame in our hearts. Now, the question that I have for you guys, and again, we're going to spend some time in prayer because I believe that that's where the Lord is leading us. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be caught off guard when he comes. And how many of us, raise your hands, how many of us know or have friends or family members that are not saved? Now I'm going to ask you again, how many of you guys want to see them know the Lord and be saved? So what do we do about it? What we learn in the word here, but immorality and purity and greed must not even be named among you. We need to want and desire holiness. See, that's a hard thing for us because we're bombarded every single day. We're bombarded with TV and, and all of these filthy and impure things that come into our lives. But we need to, to cast that off of us and get in the word. I'll tell you what, the answer to this the answer to all of these things, and I pray that the Spirit is at least getting you guys to think about something. As I studied this, he was bringing up areas in my life that I didn't even know were problems. That's what the Spirit does. That's what the Word of God does. And that's why it's so important to be in the Word every single day. But the answer to this, obviously it's in his Word. But the answer to this is through repentance and prayer. John the Baptist said, repent, for the day is near, correct? What was Jesus' first words? First words of his ministry. Come on, guys. Repent. We have to turn away. We have to have the Spirit lead us. We had an unbelievable time in prayer at, uh, and I, at, at the last time that we met for, for youth. 
And I remember Annie said, she came up and she had said something. She said, I just feel like praying. Because there's so many burdens, guys. There's so many burdens. There's so much that's going on in our lives. We are constantly pulled apart from the word of God and from family and from all these things. We have things that are contending for our time. And you could see the weight that was on her as she said that. We need to pray. Can we please pray? And I'll tell you what. It was right here, right? Yeah, we were in here. Right here. It was myself and five of the students. And we just laid flat on our face. And I'll tell you what, guys. It encouraged me. It encouraged me because you know what? The power of God met us that night. We sat there and we prayed. And I, Lord, forgive me. I tried to limit it to one prayer. I said, let's just say one thing and then we'll do that. That didn't happen. We started praying at 7.45. We didn't get out of here until about 9.15. And it was just constant. They sought the Lord and the Lord showed up. See, this is the thing that we need to understand, people, is that if we're not seeking God, don't expect him to move. I, I, I think of, I was laying at one of these nights, and I understand what Paul goes through, maybe not, but, but kind of. I didn't get to bed until 4.30 last night because I just worried, and that was pretty much every night uh, this week. And, uh, uh, but man, out of that came such a blessing to me. My little son, Eli, everybody knows Eli, or if you don't, he's, he's a cute little guy, but my son, Eli, he's at a cool age. He's two years old now, and he's at this cool age where, where he just, he starts, he's starting to talk, and he's starting to do things, and, and, um, the thing that God put on my mind and he put on my heart was, and this is the point to this, guys. This is the point. Is when I'm sitting in the living room with him and he's playing with his toys or we're running around outside or whatever it is, I'm there. I'm keeping an eye on him. I've got him. But I let him do what he, want, what, what, what he does. He can run around. He can do all that stuff. But the coolest thing that he started to do was he goes, when he wants something, he goes, hep, help, like that, hep. Every single time, that's what he does. And he raises his arms to me. And as his father, what do I do? My ear becomes keen. I hear him calling out to me. And I ask him, what do you want? Sometimes it's num-num, sometimes he doesn't know. But, he's, but I know he wants something. And I bless him. I give him what he wants, because he asked me for it. He came to me. And then there's the times where he's running around, and he climbs on the piano and falls off. And it happens. We're good parents, I promise you. It, it happens, more, it happens more than we'd like to admit. Right, honey? Uh, but, what, but what ended up happening is, is that 
He'll step up underneath it, crack his head. He'll fall off of a bench. He'll do this. What happens when that happens? What does he do? He cries. And when he cries, I don't even have to be in that room. When he cries, what does dad do? I run to him. And I scoop him up in my arms. And I hold him to my chest. And I comfort him. In only a way that a parent can comfort their child. And eventually what happens? He's crying. He's crying. He's crying. But he calms down. He knows. He has that sense of security. And what a perfect picture that is of God and prayer. He is always with us. But he's waiting for us to call and ask him for help. And when he does, what does his word say? You have not because you ask not. He's waiting for us to call on his name. But yet, all over the country, you see what is the least attended night of a church's uh, uh, schedule. Prayer meeting. Another quote from Ravenhill, he said, you want to see how popular a church is? Come on Sunday morning. You want to see how popular a pastor is? Come on Sunday night. You want to see how popular a church or, or that God is? Come to prayer meeting. He's waiting for us. And he delights in the prayers of his people. And the reason that, that, that he brought this, this scripture to me was because I know that there's some of us that are struggling with this. Guys, we're called to be set apart, holy and righteous. But yet, we don't look like it sometimes. And the thing that he's laid on my heart is we're getting into this building. The work starts now. This is not time to slack off. We need to put our feet to the fire because, again, people are dying all around us and they need to know. VBS is a perfect example. You may be the only person that comes into contact with that child and it may take 18 years, but they may remember you and that you brought Christ to them and that they know you. They know you for that. And those are your treasures in heaven. But it starts right now. And we have to ask God. And I've heard it. I'm not making this up. I've heard it from you guys. Man, I struggle with this. I can't get rid of this. Man, this is happening. Why? Why do we fall back into those things? Because we're not seeking him in prayer. I don't believe that God is a God that if we called out on him right now as we're about to do, if we call out on him, that he's going to leave us at the altar and not answer the prayers of us wanting to live holy and righteous lives. I don't believe it. I've seen it in my life. The question is, do you want that? Because the hard part about it is, is that he speaks very plainly here. What does he say? He says, anybody who is, and he lists off all these things, covetous and, and immoral and impure and an idolater has, uh, 
does not have the inheritance of God. That should scare us straight. Because I want to be with him. And when we think of his second coming and we think of the things that he's doing, it should spark us to live lives that are more holy and more righteous and more for him. Because I can tell you right now, guys, nothing that you do matters more than when you show the love of Christ in somebody's life and you see them transformed and changed. There is nothing that matters more. It starts with your family and it starts with your neighbors around you. My daughter had a, had, a, had a dream about this place before. I think I told Paul about it. It was kind of cool. She had a dream about this place when we first got in. God's got big things for us in this place. Let me tell you. I want to reiterate that fact to you. God has big things for us in this place. And she had a dream that we were all sitting up here worshiping and that God she had never been in here, by the way. I had been in here to help move some stuff in, but she had never been here. It was before our first service. And she goes, yeah, Daddy, there was, we were all sitting in there, and the place was just completely full. And we were just sitting in here, and we were singing praises to God. And it was like rainbow-colored musical notes were flying up to the peak in the ceiling. How'd she know we have a peak in the ceiling? <laughs> And she sat there and she said, and this, this made my heart jump and leap like you wouldn't believe. She said, God's ear was to the ceiling. And he had a smile on his face. And I can tell you something right now as I was sitting down here when, when Lynn and, and Annie and, and Desiree and, and everybody and Paul, when they, were, when they were singing praise, I don't know if you guys can hear it, but man, we were singing. We were praising and he's calling us to great things, guys. He's calling us to great things. But it starts with repentance. We can only take somebody as far as we are ourselves. Don't expect to lead somebody further than, you're, than you are right now with the Lord. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So... I don't even know how to end this. All I know is that I want to pray. I want to open up the altar. I want to open up the altar to people that are hurting. We've had so many hurts this week with Paul, with, with, Deborah, with your father passing as well, sister. There's so many hurts. There's so many uh, uh, hang-ups that we have. There's so many things that we are holding on to that we need to get rid of in order for God to move mightily in our lives. Annie, would you come up and play, please? As we get ready, I, I, I do, I just, think of that, uh, I just think of that story that I shared with you guys that we were laid out on our faces. Not one of us, myself included, was not crying that night that those youth met. Not one of us. God was moving in a powerful way. He was moving in a mighty way. And I don't know about you, but I need more of God like that. 
I need more of God to move in such a powerful way that it's, it's not up to anybody else. I can only say that it was him. But it requires me taking that step first. I always get nervous about this because I don't know who's going to come up. But I don't care. Because I know that there's people out here that need to pray. I'm going to call leadership up right now, if you would, please. But I know that there's people out here that need to pray. I know that there's people that are hurting, that there's people that are struggling. And this is the thing. We need to understand this. 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 5, he talks about this, guys. We are not to judge people outside the world that are out in the world. But we are to judge one another in here. But not judgment like we think of judgment. It's judgment because we want to restore you. We want to help you. We want to see you come to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to see the power of the Spirit moving in your life so that you can go out and bless people, that you can go out and lead people to Christ. We have, we, there's many gifts that the, that the, that the Lord gives us, uh, uh, a spirit of, of knowledge and, and wisdom and all these things, uh, tongues and interpretation of tongues and administration. And, uh, there's all these gifts that he gives us, but we all have one calling in our life. One calling. He tells us to do one thing for every one of us, and that is to go out and make disciples among the nations. And we get that wrong sometimes. We say, oh, go out and share the gospel. No, no, no. It's more than sharing the gospel. It's sharing the gospel and following up with people, making sure that they're walking right with the Lord, coming around them and loving them. So many times people just fall off. I know that this word hurts, trust me, because I was studying it this week. And he was ripping out pieces of me that I was holding on to that I didn't even know. But like I said, we have this calling to reach people. And I don't know, I don't know all of you. If you're not saved, come up. Don't let today pass you by because it says that he's going to come like a thief in the night. We don't know the time. He can come back right now. And I don't want you to die not knowing Christ. And on the flip side, what the word said today, I do not want you to be living your life like this. I want you to be living holy and upright life filled with the Spirit so that we can go out and do the work that He has called us to do. So we're just going to take some time as Annie prays, or as Annie plays. And I'm going to call you up. Whoever needs prayer, come up. Come get prayer right now. Do not let God Sit. He's waiting to hear you. Don't let him sit there. Call on him. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. And he is faithful. He is faithful to meet us where we need to be met.
And for those of us that, that, are, that are still sitting there, seek the Lord right now. Have him search your heart right now. He did not give me this word this morning for nothing. He gave it to me for a reason. So seek his face right now. Abandon everything right now. And let's come to the Lord.